Today's episode of Socially Democratic is presented to you by Dunn Street. Dunn Street partner with businesses, organisations, unions and social democratic parties across Australia and the globe to train leaders, develop engagement strategies and empower people to organise for change. In 2020, Dunn Street will continue to work with folks who want to make a difference, inspire, give hope and enable leadership to achieve their shared purpose. To find out how you can partner with Dunn Street, hit us up at dunnstreet.com.au. Hello and welcome to another episode of Socially Democratic, your favourite weekly centre-left, blatantly labour-biased political and cultural podcast that dives into the progressive issues of the day and the people leading them from home and abroad. And on this week's episode, we are joined by the New South Wales Labor Shadow Minister for the Environment and the member for Port Stephens, Kate Washington. Great name. Um, And she is coming on to talk about the whole koala thing, basically, koala killer and the shit fight that happened between the Nationals leader, John Barillaro, and uh, the Berejiklian government and how it almost imploded, which was all very bizarre for everyone else watching outside of New South Wales and probably even for people in New South Wales. So anyway, Kate's on today to talk all about that and and just sort of environmental politics um, as well. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and we're now on Amazon. There you go. Didn't even know they did podcasts. So or also, uh, you can just follow us on your favorite podcast app, really. Uh, but if you are a Apple Podcast user, please leave us a rating and a review. That would be great. Got a review, actually, uh, the other day, which I thought was kind of funny. Um, it, uh, it says, uh, really insightful podcast on social democratic movements, both in Australia and internationally. Would really help if there was a co-host. That Kent Rowe bloke seems really knowledgeable. Had uh, You had great chemistry and I reckon it would really work. And that was from Batman-08. And I then caught up Kent Rowe and said, Kent, I really appreciate you leaving a rating and a review, but did you really need to sort of pitch to come on the podcast? And he said, I didn't do that. So, Kent, you've got a fan out there, whoever you are, Batman. Um, so you could be like Batman and leave us a review. That would be great. We'd really appreciate that. And don't forget to follow us uh, on all of our socials, the Dunn Street socials at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And this episode was once again uh, published, uh, sorry, was, uh, what do you call it? Produced by uh, Rebecca Connell from Trobe University. You've done a really great job this week. Thank you, Rebecca. Also, a little bit of apology. The audio wasn't great on today's episode. Uh, we just had some technical problems throughout and we were just trying to manage it, but um it's uh one of those ones that just didn't seem to um work out for us the technical gods weren't on our side today but anyway let's get to today's episode We're taping this one on a Friday afternoon in uh, lockdown Melbourne and joining me on the line from free New South Wales is the Shadow Minister for Environment and the member for Port Stephens. Kate Washington, welcome to Socially Democratic. Thanks for having me, Stephen. Very excited. I, uh, I was thinking today about your name. You've got a really good name for politics. <laughs> like I, yeah. I feel like when you're when your parents gave you your name, that was it. You had to, yeah. you, you had to, you had to run for office. You had no choice. Yeah. Right. It's not something that occurred to me till a bit later in life. So. Well, I, I've really thought about it in the last, you know, sort of 12 hours. 
I think you need to run for uh, a federal seat. And I think that that opens up a whole bunch of campaign T-shirts like um, uh, send Washington to Canberra. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> but I also like my, my federal member here, so Meryl Swanson. Thank you very much. Uh, right, very good. Not to put any pressure on Meryl, of course. Yeah. But I'm just saying, watch out, all right? This is a good campaign slogan here. <laughs> uh, that's very good. Uh, Kate, for those of us living outside of New South Wales, just give us a bit of a backstory to how koalas became a number one issue in New South Wales state politics. What's How has this happened? What's What, what, what legislative changes occurred or why... Do we find that this lovable creature, this n- native icon of our nation, is now under threat in New South Wales? Well, it's it's a bit complex, but at the heart of it is the the threat that it's currently facing, which is, um, you know, extinction. <laughs> so, the recent parliamentary inquiry in New South Wales into koalas uh, found that koalas in New South Wales will become extinct by before 2050 unless urgent action is taken now what is what has got us to that place is um a number of things but one of the main problems has been the the government the coalition government after the 2015 election removed all of the uh, environmental protections and the laws that were in place and replaced them with weaker environmental laws and before they did that they were told that those laws that they were proposing would lead to broad-scale land clearing and they were told that by scientists and experts and you know numerous stakeholders that knew what they were talking about they ignored that they still put those laws into place and now as a result we've got you know a real issue where the developers get to do pretty much what they like and, um, and the koalas are collateral damage. I'm assuming that uh, a lot of these legislative changes that were brought in when the Conservatives got back into power were driven by their developer mates, essentially. Is, that, is it as crude well, as that? Yeah, you've got the coalitions, you know, this unholy alliance between the Nationals and the Liberals. Uh, the National Party uh, says that they fight for farmers, which is a joke. They um, and we've learnt that very recently. They their interests are not with the farmers. It's it's with their with developers and big agribusiness, and uh, and they don't care for the environment. They push back on every count. They've mismanaged water. They have put a feral species on a pedestal in Co- in Kosciuszko National Park, um, which is driving the native species to extinction. They are just, uh, when it comes to the environment, the National Party are um, complete vandals. And they would rather, you know, every national park be, be opened up and for logging and just opened up generally. So the unholy alliance with the Liberals and Nationals is, is um, very ugly and it played out in a very ugly way very recently. Aside from you being the the shadow spokesperson for the environment, this this policy or this legis- the sweeping legislative change that has been brought in by the coalition government has actually impacted you in your local community of Port Stephens. Just want to sort of share with us a bit about uh, about that. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, it's very convenient to be the, the spokesperson for the environment because it's pretty much all we talk about when we're doing <laughs> Because we have, we just face battle after battle trying to stop the government from doing stupid stuff. Um, so in the past, um, we've had to fight off the um, developer arm of the government, urban growth from pursuing a development in an area called Fisherman's Bay. It was called Koala Habitat. It took the community to take the government to court for them to stop that development. Then the next next round was the government selling off Cork Koala Habitat in um, a place called the Mambo Wetlands. They did it via an online auction overnight to a developer. Mm. It took three years of a community campaign to get the government to buy it back. Then... <laughs> Right now, we've got an expansion of a quarry which involves the bulldozing of 52 hectares of critical koala habitat that has been approved and fast-tracked by the state government. And the fight is now on to try and um, make Susan Lee at the federal level, she's the gatekeeper on this, unfortunately, make a decision that's in the interests of koalas and the environment instead of the quarry. When did this... Uh, I mean, you've just talked about this sort of three-year campaign that's been going on in your community. I did see some footage of you stand up in Parliament uh, late, uh, late July, I think it was, to, to raise this uh, uh, issue. When did it really start to kick off and get a bit of sort of statewide or even, you know, indeed national uh, coverage? What kind of brought this to a head? Well, this, the latest um, campaign is centred around this the quarry at Brandy Hill what brought that to a head was the approval of it and the fast-tracking of it by the government. So it was approved by the department, fast-tracked, and then it went to the Independent Planning Commission. Now, the Independent Planning Commission, um, it sounds like a nice thing that it might be independent, but it still has to apply the government's laws. And when they're weak and they can't even knock back something that's going to impact koalas locally so significantly... Uh, and in the wake of the bushfires and in the wake of the koala inquiry and the 42 recommendations, which says that you've got to preserve habitat, the, the IPC couldn't, had no authority to knock it back because the laws were inadequate. And indeed, in its own findings and, rec- and um, in its decision, it made comment, which was really unusual, it made comment about the need for the government to consider its laws and how they are protecting or, or not protecting koalas, particularly in the wake of the bushfires. And then between you getting up uh, in Parliament uh, and speaking on this issue and uh, the expansion of this, uh, this quarry um, in, in your own backyard, uh, then this sort of drama unfolds in Parliament a couple of weeks ago between the, the Nationals and the Liberals. Um, what... What happened here? How did how just talk, walk us through the colour and movement of this of this? What just look from from a sort of a social media distance here, lockdown in Melbourne, kind of. This was I was living vicariously through what was going on. Um, how, how did this come about? Well, it is extraordinary that the National Party decided that they would try and blow up their own government over koalas over weakening protections for koalas at a time when we all know that they are facing extinction. <laughs> we all know who should be facing extinction and it's not the koalas. Um, 
it was actually extraordinary. The policy that they have got upset about had been aired in 2016. It had been put into place end of November for consultation and it came into effect in March. Now, the National Party must be the slowest, stupidest people ever because they only noticed about three weeks ago because it, it just hit the fan out of the blue from our perspective. It's almost like it, there's been so many instances where the Deputy Premier has um, cried wolf and threatened to uh, leave the coalition, you know, say, oh, I'm no longer going to be Deputy Premier because I've got to speak for the bush, all this rubbish. Um, and, and I think this was just one too many times for the Premier and she actually stared him down this time and, um, and for good reason because the petulance and the dummy spitting that's going on by the National Party seems to get, they get their way every time. But the problem, the problem is we've still, we've still got the, apparently the negotiations are still going to happen on this policy. We don't know if the government's going to um, maintain their position and, uh, and they're going to weaken the protections that are in place. I mean, they were designed by, over many years, significant input from scientists, and yet you've still got National Party members railing against them to the point where they want to bring the government to its knees. It's extraordinary. So unpack that for me. So what, what exactly was the – this is the bit I was getting confused about because I, I was trying to work out who actually wanted was trying to kill the koalas here more. Was it the Liberal part of the coalition or was it the National part of the coalition? So what was the policy area that the Nationals were taking issue with in terms of within their government? Well, it, it is actually a koala protection policy. <laughs> like that is, that is what they decided to – that's the hill they decided to die on. Um, and they are arguing that that places undue, it places too much responsibility on landholders, um, particularly farmers, and saying that the mapping is wrong, that they can't build driveways, that they can't do the work that they need to do on farms. It was complete, it's complete rubbish. This, they have divided the community based on mistruths and lies to the point where people think that the policy is going to stop people doing absolutely anything on their farms, which is a complete joke. It doesn't do that. But then the, the broader and the more important point to this is that they keep the National Party keeps using farmers like they're a Trojan horse. What they, the interests that they are really representing are not farmers. And we know this now because we... Last just this week in Parliament, received documents that we called for through the parliamentary process to find out exactly whose interests they were representing when they were going to the Minister for Planning over this koala planning policy. And predominantly, those interests are developer interests. They were rep making representations on behalf of developers and significant developers and some of those developers were also donors to the party. Huh. So you have the is it is it John Barillaro who's the is he the deputy or is he he's a deputy premier of the state but he's the leader of the national party? Is that right? Correct. And so he uh, goes on Sky News and says it's a property rights issue and that it will prevent farmers from building property uh, without getting council approval. Was my sort of take on that? How is he? 
how is this being played out in the in in, in your lecture, for example? Vis a vis, sort of a well, no, it's actually an environmental issue, big fella. But well, uh, nobody raised any concerns with the SEP, um, with the planning policy, to me locally. Um, the like, <laughs> it just hasn't been an issue. It was on nobody's radar because it was. It's a planning policy that essentially replaces replaces an existing planning policy. It puts requirements onto council to, to undertake plans of management. It, 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 it's, the changes were relatively innocuous. And yet, and so it really speaks to the tensions in the coalition. If this was enough for them to have the government come to its knees, it's, it, it was um, yeah, extraordinary. And, I, and I, you don't really have a dog in the game, do you, when you're watching um, nationals and liberals fight amongst each other? Um, just sort of, was it never interrupt your um, enemies when they're in the middle of a complete clusterfuck um, or something to that effect? Um, but well, that's it. yeah, I think that was it. That was the, yes, yeah, it is. That is what it is, isn't it? I, I really liked the, um, the, the, le- the Labor leader of the opposition's um, response to it. I thought it was very smart when she said, that um, she was critical of the Nationals trying to undermine the leadership of uh, the Premier. It was, it just had, it was a great, had great tone to sort of say, look, our democracy is more important than this. You're an idiot. And, uh, and what you're doing here is actually undermining the stability that we need in government. And, and I think if you're Gladys, you'd be kind of a bit confused about that. Are you... Are you trolling me, or are you being genuine, or are you just trying to get in my head? Or I just think it's a really the natural thing would be to sort of lash out and say you're all idiots, right? But I think it was really, really smart for her for for Jody to do that. I, um, I just want to get your thoughts on that and the way. That, sorry, broadly speaking, how you guys um, have responded to this, you know, this this scenario that's going on across in, on, the, on the other side of the parliament. Well, actually, it, we we realised very early on that it wasn't really a koala issue it wasn't ever it should never have been about koalas it's about their their the lack the 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 frailty of the coalition as and their ability to govern is was the at the heart of the issue and that's where Jodie McKay went quite rightly it was about and when we're facing the you know this enormous health and economic crisis the last thing anybody in the community wants to see is the government that they are relying on to be able to put food on the table and, 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 and survive through these really difficult times. The last thing they want to be seeing is these idiots fighting over an innocuous change to a koala planning policy. And the instability of the government was very real and continues to be because the, you've still got National Party members that are threatening to sit on the crossbench if there aren't concessions given, so it's 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 far from over as well. The um the the issue itself was given um, a great platform when um, friendly Geordies, also known as um, Jordan Shanks, on his YouTube uh, uh, channel and various social media platforms, uh, raised this issue. I think he actually did a number of interviews with uh, your good self. And no small thing, 75,000 views on one of the particular videos that he did. 
talking about the issue. Um, how much uh, awareness raising has come off the back of this um, issue and what level of pressure do you think it's putting on the, the, the Berejiklian uh, government? Well, the video I did with um, Jordan Shanks was about the uh, Randy Hill Quarry and the current uh, the current campaign to get Susan Lee to reject it, and um, and yeah, it was really good getting uh, more getting Jordan's audience understanding what was going on and the broader picture about how we got here and the ability to have that longer conversation about that was a really good opportunity. Uh, and so in terms of the campaign, it means that we've had a lot more people following and understanding and contacting Susan Lee. But since since then, we've also had um, <laughs> um, people perhaps um, with a different approach to uh, Jordan's, like Olivia. John, Jimmy Barnes, Magda Zabansky. Um, we've got a whole lot of other celebrities um, giving voice to our campaign here as well. And, you know, it's people were watching, you know, during the bushfires, <laughs> that, that is still very much in people's minds and hearts. And a lot of people here in Australia and worldwide gave a lot of money in support of the wildlife and the losses that were being seen and, and shown across screens worldwide. And to think now that we're still stupid enough to be clearing, approving the clearing of unburnt, pristine, critical koala habitat, people can't believe it. And it's, it's, it's just so, um, it's just goes against everything that everybody's feeling right now about the importance of retaining the things that we've got. Um, you hail from the, the Hunter region in uh, New South Wales, and it's a part of the country that seems to be generating a lot of a lot more energy around the debate about fossil fuels versus jobs and the environment. Um, and I don't think it needs to be framed in that way, but that seems to be certainly how some um, media outlets are framing it. I just want to get your insights. We had um, Felicity Wade from Lean on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. Uh, to talk about that very issue and um, she sort of spoke about at that time some of the work that was done by lean with uh, unions in particular the amw at a local level and i noticed on the weekend there was an announcement by lean and uh the the union the amw that they were going to make a commitment to work together and it sort of addressed the what i call the third rail of australian politics um, do you welcome uh, an initiative like that with uh, not just your Labor hat on, but also um, hailing from a region that's sort of in the news a lot about this particular issue? Yeah, it's the discussions and the work going on um, between Lean and AMW is, uh, is really welcome. But it's such a sensible conversation. And as you mentioned, the pitting of jobs versus the environment is enormously frustrating. There are... <laughs> a lot of jobs to be had in the environment, <laughs> which um, yeah, we saw we saw with uh, Jacinda Ardern shortly after COVID when she you know, announced one billion dollars to create eleven thousand jobs. Like it, there's the transition from um, fossil fuels is a really complex and tricky conversation, and it needs to be had with the workers that are involved. And here in the Hunter. We are at the heart of the issues 
and it's really and it's really tough. It's a really tough conversation to have with a lot of people, and it's going to be really it's really hard politically. So to have Lean and AMWU having healthy, respectful, and open conversations with environment groups and workers, that's that's exactly what we need to do. And as a, as a movement. I think Labor's, Labor is the only party that's capable of having those conversations. We are the only ones that are going to be capable of moving us towards where we need to go because the, everybody else just tries to divide and, um, and tell mistruths and that's not going to help the workers. If we keep saying that we're going to keep you know, burning coal to create energy, and what we're going to was the Nats want, they want to build a new coal-fired power station up the Hunter Valley, or they want the government to. You know, it's, they, they, aren't, they aren't sensible conversations because that is not where the market is going. And we need to, so we need, the, we need the workers to be brought with us so that we can all transition together in a way that's, that's respectful and, um, and so that the jobs, the jobs remain. And, and I tell you, I'm really at the pointy end Port Stephens, yes, we talk koalas all the time. The biggest employer in Port Stephens is actually in the sector is manufacturing. So I've got Tomago aluminium smelter that uses 12 to 13 percent of the state's electricity every single day. I've also got the largest user of gas um, just outside the, the boundary, which is Orica, that creates um, ammonium nitrate, and it's um, and so we are high intensity manufacturing here. Uh, we, I know one of my other manufacturers is trying, trying to stay up afloat because of high electricity prices and yet he's um, building the steel alloy rods that secure wind turbines to the ground. So we're really at the pointy end of the conversation around energy reliability, affordability uh, and, and and the transition to to clean energy. You're talking about the, the, the tricky nature of that conversation that, that, that needs to be had, and I completely understand that. How frustrating is it when then the Prime Minister sort of wanders in with his remarks? Was it this week or last week? These weeks all seem to blend into one when you can't leave your house. Um, <coughs> about gas and saying, well, if you don't, if you don't build a, you know, a, a, um, a, if you don't invest in gas, then we will. As a local member, but also with your, you know, your shadow portfolio hat on, how frustrating is that when you're trying to actually have these conversations with people saying, look, you know, we need to, there needs to be a future, we have to move away from this sort of stuff? <laughs> he conveniently made that announcement in my electorate. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, um, just a little bit frustrating. It's very, it's, we, the conversations are really, hard but we cannot we cannot walk away from the tough conversations and there's a whole lot of people including the prime minister that would rather pander to um and go down the easy path but we can't afford to be doing that and that's that's the problem and politically he will take the easy path and we're and put us all at risk in the process whereas other uh, uh, having <laughs> conversations on the ground all the time about what it, what it looks like what we need to be doing to try and get to a towards a where we've got a much brighter future 
just um, draw on some of those conversations because that's I'm, mm. I'm always in, interested in getting those insights. Uh, I, I said to Felicity when she was on the show um, a couple of weeks back, I said to her, "Look, you know, I I grew up in in uh, in Gippsland in Victoria's um, eastern region um, in the Latrobe Valley, which is heavily reliant on um, on brown coal. Um, all of my cousins all." left high school and went into jobs in in the in working in what we call the open cut so these conversations i'm very aware of on a personal level um and talking to my family members and talking to people that live in the valley you know they you know hazelwood has 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 shut down and they know that there's there's the clock is ticking on all of the other um uh, uh coal operations there and they don't have a um, they don't, you know, they're not, they don't support coal like they support their local footy team. You know, they're not like, you know, go magpies and by the way, go coal. They go jobs. You know, we want job security. That's ultimately what, what it is. That's the, the, the level of conversation that isn't being spoken about when people, politicians come in and, and speak for the workers. Um, what are the kind of conversations you're having with folks in your community? What are their concerns? What, what, what's going through their minds in terms of what the future looks like for them? Well, it varies, as you would imagine, a lot. But you're right. The people that work in um, in the valley, in the power stations, and in the coal mines, they 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 value being able to put food on their tables and feed their families. That's what that's what their jobs mean. Their jobs mean that they can give their give their children uh, uh, a good future. So that's what that's what we need to be talking to them about. It's what their future, how they can continue to do that as we as we go forward. And so that it needs to be we need to be talking about tangible, real jobs as an alternative. Just to talk a transition is gets us nowhere. It, we need to be creating industry that is um, clean energy industry, whether or you know whether it's circular economy, recycling industry, any we need to be looking at concrete, very real jobs on the ground that people can go to, and that's what that's what we need to, the government to be focusing on, particularly in an area like ours. I mean, we've got we've got um, the state energy minister announcing renewable hubs in areas of political convenience for them rather than in an area where we know that there are workers that are going to be out of jobs and it's it's enormously frustrating so but yeah going back to lean and amwu that's i know that that's a primary focus of theirs and yeah the conversations i have with all of my manufacturers it's um they, they are still trying to work out how we get through to being able to rely purely on renewable energy. Yeah, and no one says it's easy, is it? But what I do like about um, Lean and the AMW uh, initiative is it brings different interests and different resources together and to sit down at a table and go, right, how do we find solutions to the problems that we're having right now? And I, I've, I just welcome that and that actually makes me um, – I'm a very solutions-oriented kind of bloke and I – like to see uh, more of this sort of work being done at this granular level as well. 
Yeah, and I've got to say that uh, alongside their work, there is in the Hunter, we have got a lot of different organisations being very proactive and um, practical in working towards solutions with no help from the government. <laughs> We've just, I think everyone has decided, yeah, we really are on our own on this. And like when BHP closed, we need to, we need to look after ourselves. We need to learn lessons from other communities that have gone through this around the world. And we need to learn those lessons. And we need to, we've, you know, we've got so much opportunity here. That's the thing. And we need to be starting to talk about this, what's coming up as an opportunity. Everyone just sees it as a threat. And we need to be talking about the um, advanced manufacturing and significant opportunities in defence, all sorts of um, different sectors that we have got the capacity and the experience and the expertise already on the ground here. That's where we need to be focused on. Um, I think I said to you off mic before. You're the first um, state labour politician I've interview, interviewed for the uh, for the podcast, um, and uh, um, that's on me. Um, but I am just interested in getting your take on how things are going for state labour in, in New South Wales under the new leadership of uh, of Jody Mc, Jody Mc, is it Mackay or McKay? McKay. It is McKay. I year seven, sorry, grade two. Uh, primary school teacher, Mrs. McKay, loved her. Um, how 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 are things going? Because look, from an outside perspective, it's hard to get. Uh, you know, the way our media is sort of geared towards um, sort of parochialism, it's hard to get a sense of you know what's going on in other states. But certainly, from an outsider's perspective, things are looking good for Labor in uh, in New South Wales at the moment. Jodie McKay's doing a, a, a terrific job. I mean, and 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 in difficult times, being an opposition leader during a, a crisis is never going to be fun uh, and she's managed that in a very respectful careful way because because as we said before as we discussed that that we don't want to be dividing we don't want to be attacking at a time when people are genuinely doing it really tough um you know there's a sense now <laughs> unlike um, the experience that you've had in Victoria, um, that things are a bit more relaxed and, and consequently we're seeing the government kind of at, at, the, at a meltdown stage. You know, they've been in for nine and a half years. We've got them leaking from Cabinet all the time. They are happy to talk about each other to us all the time. It's really unhealthy, and we don't understand. We, I mean, they, they've got several ministers that are there's several ministers that shouldn't be ministers any longer. There's an ICAC inquiry about a former member. We had ICAC raid Parliament during just before question time this week. I mean, if I could, it, it's a, it's a little bit. It, there's a crumbling castle going on here. Uh, People aren't necessarily seeing it, but we are. It's it's happening before our eyes. So I guess I guess that's our our job is to make sure that people see it and understand exactly what's going on. And uh, build a uh, a credible argument for why you guys should govern in two thousand and twenty three. Is that right? Yes, unfortunately. That feels that's like. 
That feels like years yeah. away. Those people keep, I keep, I'm, I'm almost at the point, well, people, meet some media at the point where they say, well, what's your policy? You know, what's your policy on koalas? And I was going, I was saying, my policy is to stop them causing as much carnage as possible before we get to the next election. Like, we've just got to stop the destruction as much as possible over the next couple of years, then we can talk to you about policy. I mean, yeah. it's, there's so much still to play out. And a good segue before we wrap up, uh, give you a chance to uh, plug um, for people who are listening to the show how they can get involved in the campaign to um, support the good work that you guys are doing um, both in the Hunter and more uh, statewide in New South Wales in terms of uh, protecting the, our natural habitat. Well, um, I'm going to be really parochial and uh, suggest people check out a page, a Facebook page, which is Safe Port Stevens Koalas. They're on Twitter, they're on um, Facebook and they are doing an amazing job of trying to protect um, the 52 hectares from being cleared um, more broadly uh, just follow Jodie McKay on on her socials follow my socials um, <laughs> just to just be really selfish and you know where there's a lot of good things going on it's hard to get the message out through um, the media it's one of our biggest threats to, to trying to change things at the next election. Um, the Murdoch press is astonishingly awful, um, as we all know, and it's it's hard to get message, messages out. So social media has got an increasing importance and, and um, similarly podcasts like this, increasing importance of um, getting our message out. Well, Kate Washington, we appreciate uh, you taking time out of you. You had a pretty crazy day today um, and uh, we uh, are very grateful for your uh, time and contribution to the podcast and we wish you the best of luck with the campaign going forward and uh, we'd love to have you back on in, uh, in the future. Thanks so much for having me. It's been lovely having a chat and I really hope that everyone in Melbourne gets to uh, spend a bit more time outdoors soon. <laughs> Thank you. So do I.